welcome back to the Reawakening Podcast. I'm Brian Ingraham, and it is my heart to see our whole generation reawakened to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. I believe that this reawakened life is very possible for you, and although you might taste it in glimpses throughout your life, I believe if you want it consistently, that some intentionality will make a huge difference. And so that's part of the heart behind this podcast. I, I know that everyone does better with help and everyone does better with, with mentors and people who are, will challenge them and speak into their lives. And so that's, that's my heart for this podcast in general. Now today's podcast is a little bit different and it has a unique origin. I have my mentoring class on Tuesday nights and there was a call for a Q&A time. And I, I honestly, Q&A, I don't think of as my forte at all. In fact, I, I like to think about things and, and I, I kind of feel like I don't love being put on the spot. I mean, maybe maybe nobody does, but I particularly don't feel comfortable with that. And so if they wanted a Q&A, the thought was that they would send some questions in advance and I would be able to preview them and, and kind of think about them in advance. And there was a whole section about parenting and marriage and things like that. And and in that Q&A time, I didn't actually get to that chunk of questions. And so I thought to myself, you know, maybe I'll cover this in the next podcast. And and as I was chewing on this, I, I feel like I had a great idea. I, I was like, what if I interview my wife, if I interview Kelly and about parenting and I just hear a fresh voice on this podcast and a fresh perspective. You probably hear my thoughts uh, maybe too much, but I would, I'm would. i excited to uh, see what Kelly's going to say about our parenting journey. And so I'm going to bring her on to this podcast and the rest of this will be an interview, an interview with Kelly and just kind of seeing her thoughts on parenting. With no further ado, welcome Kelly. I'm so Thankful that you. you said you would do wow. this. I'm excited about this. Fun. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, yes, my name is Kelly. I am excited to be on the podcast for the first time. We're just sort of having an informal chat this afternoon about um, parenting and like our journey, I guess, specifically my perspective um, on the parenting journey. We have three children, um, Ethan, Emma, and Owen. Currently, Ethan is 22, Emma is 20, Owen is 17. Um, so we have come through quite a few years of parenting, still very much in it. It's a lifelong thing, right? <laughs> I think we're stuck in this for life. So a few disclaimers, I suppose, before we chat about parenting, just that we're not telling you how to parent. This is more of a reflection podcast and chat based on our life and, and our circumstances our kids being who they are, um, our personalities being being what they are, our marriage being what it is, um, different strengths and weaknesses. Um, if there's something helpful to you in, in my story, in our story here, then that's great. Otherwise, just sort of take it as a behind the scenes, uh, our perspective and just our, our chat here. I want good things for you and, and your parenting. And so I just say grace to you. Give yourself grace as a parent. I just remember so many times where it's just like, oh, I just missed that one, or oh, wow, what a what an awful parent I just was, or or whatever. But you know what? If if you have a heart to be a godly man or a woman, a godly parent, um, it's a good it's a good place to start. I believe that godly parenting and good parenting begins. Here and there again, I'm pointing at my heart like I do about reawakening, like I do about marriage, like I do about everything. I, be I believe it, good parenting, great parenting begins here in my own heart. And and my my time as a parent and my effectiveness as a parent or my, my, um, my parenting pluses and minuses are more of an outflow and are impacted by my Jesus time and what's going on in my own heart and my own life. And so if I'm depleted because of life or work, then my parenting will probably be depleted. And so it's been my aim to, to make sure that my soul is good with Jesus and, and my, my, my life is, uh, is, is good with, with Jesus so that I can have a good overflow into my home. But yeah, so I, I do believe good parenting begins here, and it has definitely been my aim to get to know each of my children and their uniquenesses 
and, and what, what is their following Jesus' strengths and challenges and, and to know how to guide them? Because each of our kids are different. Uh, and, and so what is it that is God's heart for, for each of our kids? Parenting is a big deal. Parenting is a big deal. And I, I believe it is a, a real sacred challenge to, and joy to raise future adults. Uh, the future adults who are going to be raising our future grandkids. I mean, it's, it's, and the, the, those who are going to be hopefully grandparents themselves someday. And, and, ah, uh, just thinking so big picture there. Uh, anyways, we're going to, we're going to talk about parenting and, and, and maybe our, 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 our wins and maybe a few fails. I, I don't know exactly all that's going to be happening here, but, um, I, I do know that I, and Kelly both have really wanted to set out to make sure that our kids feel loved in every era, in in the good times and in the in the hard times. But anyways, that's that's enough about that's enough from me. We're here to hear from Kelly. I'm here to hear from Kelly, and so I thought we would just start off with um, Kelly just sharing the, our parenting story and and kind of reflections of the different eras in in. Of our, of our parenting and kind of just make comments as you kind of go through our stories and then we'll get to some of the questions at the end that have come in via Instagram and maybe from my parenting class as well. Ha, I don't have a parenting class, just kidding. Uh, what I meant to say is my mentoring class. All right, Kelly, here we go. Why don't you go ahead and, and tell us, tell us, talk us through the parenting journey that, that you were on. All right. Uh, thank you for having me on to do this. This is fun. So I'm, go I'm going to talk about just a snapshot of our family um, and then kind of my sort of reflections, I guess, through those different stages, the baby years, the nursery school years, the primary school years, the secondary school years, which we are still in barely as our youngest is finishing soon. And then these sort of young adults um, and this this uh, new stage that we find ourselves in. So looking back, we Brian and I met young. We met at a Bible camp, Lakeside Bible Camp, um, off of, of Seattle, Washington on Whidbey Island. So we were high school sweethearts. Um, we were young. We got married young. We uh, went to Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland, Oregon. And um, as we were studying there, we got married. And then we had our first baby. I was 23. You were 24. We were working at a church in Portland. We had a really sweet little house. It was very cute. We were, um, it was a new era. We were young, but we had this baby. Of course, we loved this baby so much. It was what an incredible miracle. You're sort of caught up in this incredible responsibility, um, and, but so in love with this child, so exhausted so hard you know kind of in the trenches of that okay you know wow this is a um you know a, a routine that that doesn't end you know just day after day where we are keeping this child alive and we want to love this child and we want to raise this child to love jesus and so there's um this huge responsibility but i remember just you know seeing you in a new light you know suddenly we're um we're this team and we have to figure out um, how we're going to do this, how we're going to like sort of help each other out <laughs> through through this time. You know, sort of see like uh, new strengths and weaknesses um, coming up in each other, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, so seeing the spouse in the new way, trying to appreciate each other and the strengths that we can give each other. And also just a lot of sort of acceptance, um, trying to come to a place of acceptance that you know, our roles are really different at this moment. You know, me mothering an infant, um, just that, you know, things are going to be, the pressures I'm going to feel, the tiredness I'm going to feel might be different to how, what, how you feel. Just that you kind of, a new, a new sense of like, okay, there's seasons of life and there's different seasons of life where responsibilities are going to fall differently on each of us. And um, so how we um, work that out. So anyway, we had Ethan. Um, 18 months later, we had Emma. We had moved from Portland up to back kind of, to our home, to our home, actually, we moved in with your dad for a season. So our lives were still very much, I would say, you know, fluid and like in transition in that sense of, you know, we hadn't landed yet in like uh, where we were going to kind of live and raise our family, I suppose. We both had felt called to missions as um, children and as young adults, and that call sort of was coming to life in us. And we were... 
um, there's lots of different stories along the way there. But basically, while we were living in Seattle, we were working at another church up there, gaining incredible experiences, such a gift. Um, our time in Portland and then our time in Seattle, um, having Ethan and Emma, they were both really small. Um, we lived with your dad. And then we were, are we going to do this? Are we going to become full-time missionaries and move internationally and come to Scotland to church plant? And long story short, that's what we did. Reflecting on parenting during that season with two very small children, there was a lot of like the kind of mom loneliness, I guess, in the midst of these big life decisions where as a young couple, we're still trying to land on where we're going to live and raise our family. Um, there was still that, that kind of mom loneliness in the, you know, every day is the same in the routine of it all and just this incredible responsibility. Um, and so I do remember that. I remember feeling like life was just a slower pace, I suppose. So we did make the decision to become missionaries, full-time missionaries, and move to Glasgow, Scotland from Seattle, Washington with two young kids. Um, it was 2003, 20 years ago this year. And we made that choice and it was, so there was all, so all those big, huge pieces were going on in the midst of having a very, um, for me, like a very focused, like role on these two young kids. Um, we came and I was adjusting to, um, in Glasgow here, we live in a, an urban environment. So there was the cultural piece. There was just the moving from the suburbs of America into more of an urban environment, not driving and making my way on public transport and those sort of things. So it all feels like a blur, I suppose, all to say. And so sometimes it's hard to pick out. Um, there's so much change and so much new, but then also so much kind of right in front of my face meeting the needs, the daily, hourly minute needs of these children um god's grace was definitely over all of it and it does all feel like a blur but we came to scotland we moved we got settled here um started um with the missionary work side of it but from a parenting point of view um our oldest ethan was old enough to go to nursery school which they start at the age of three so he turned three a few months after moving here and we kind of thought well do we give it a try? What do we do? It was scary because um, we were in an unfamiliar place. But we wanted, you know, we want to hold our kids tight, but we also want to let them go and grow um, into new experiences as well. And so we kind of thought, well, we can always um, change if we need to make a change, but let's not like make the decision based on fear. So I feel like that's been a big um, important value for both of us you're nodding which is good yeah that we just want to make sure that we're not we want to be wise and smart but we don't want to be um, speaking a lot of fear over our hearts or over the kids so even though I might have I was feeling quite maybe anxious about it or uncertain what this would be um, we decided to go for it and push through that and um, for me that really helped the routine helped a lot with the young kids especially in a climate like Scotland where there's just a lot of gray days a lot of wet days where it's harder to be outside living in uh, flats without like back gardens that kind of thing so um, nursery school was just a really great way for me to integrate into the neighborhood and to um, meet people there's a play park right across from the nursery so that just provided I just realized okay I'm kind of finding my feet here um, figuring out what works um, for me what works for the kids and for you as well and how we kind of can work this out so we just spent hours at that park uh, you would take them there I would take them there I just remember sitting on those park benches and letting them play so much um, so there was kind of being a part of this little neighborhood, having the nursery school um, was huge. When the kids were small, there was a lot of margin in the days. I would say both of both Brian and I are kind of probably more like what you'd call typical like type A's. We like to um, have a lot going on, but we also like to be together and we also like to have um, a lot of margin and not feel too, too rushed. Um, and so those years were just like quieter in the sense of like, we just had more time and 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 so I think that was helpful to keep peace um, in the home. In 2006, uh, we had our third child, Owen, who was born here in Scotland. And so we're kind of back to um, 
the baby stage and working through that in this um, context, probably a little bit more, you know, knew what we were getting into, (laughs) more settled, um, feeling like we were called and going to be staying here in Scotland. Um, And so we did add Owen to our family. The kids went through nursery school and started primary school, which is like elementary school. Um, they're some very similar in that sense of like there's still margin within our our day so that we're not like pushing everyone um, at, to a really fast pace. Um, I suppose parenting wise, just lots of like hugs, lots of affection, lots of I love yous, lots of um, character development in us and um, in them and a lot of teamwork. So I think like speaking to the, the character development piece, like I do feel like so much of parenting is just refining, re- refinement and holiness and all of that in ourselves. You know, if I get, um, I can tend to be more like perfectionistic and have a hard time giving grace to myself. Um, if I'm, if I'm feeling like blocked or frustrated, my kind of go-to is anger. And so I just remember, um, I think my mom even said this verse to me, from James 1, you know, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You need to be quick, quick to um, hear and slow to speak. You know, just some of those basic things. Just working through my own character development. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier, like not speaking fear over my heart, you know, um, so that like anxieties don't rise and worries don't rise. Um, kind of not borrowing fear and worry. Trying to create an atmosphere of grace. Um, like I said, my tendency is to be, I want to be right or perfect. And so learning how to give grace and have great a grace in the home. And also another kind of key verse for me was, is from Proverbs 31, that woman who laughs at the days to come. And I want to be like her and I want to, you know, almost like, you know, acting in the opposite. If I'm feeling like worried or anxious, like laughing out loud, just brings such a change in the atmosphere. So kind of the character development of, um, self-control over like the anger response the reawakening begins here so much of parenting is like the character development in ourselves it's like God's working on us and he's refining us and so we never feel like I just remember feeling so incredibly like unworthy I'm messing these kids up like what am I doing um so much of that uncertainty um and it's God's like his character development and then, you know, just like, oh, I want to be like this, um, you know, this woman who's, she's not worried about the future. She's not worried about um, what will happen with the kids. You know, am I messing them up? Um, what have we done in moving them away from our extended family? That kind of thing. But to be um, hopeful and to speak hope and to speak um, and to laugh in the home. And Brian's really good at laughing. <laughs> so that, that's helpful and it, and it made for good teamwork. I feel like. So those primary years, um, the kids, as they're growing, you know, I think the, they need to learn how to grow in wisdom, just practical wisdom and also godly wisdom, you know, cause and effect kind of things. Um, they learn, they are starting to develop their own interests and like we're seeing their personalities more. And so it's, um, of course, we're so interested in these kids that God's given us and, and what they're like. And so I think just like being students of them, is really helpful and starting to identify uh, how God wired them, like how He knit them together. You know, are you know even starting to see like just their strengths and, and weaknesses coming out, and so really being like students of the kids and starting to see how Ethan and Emma and Owen were are different to each other and and kind of what strengths they bring. So those are some of the primary school years, and those years you know, they're long. They're like seven years at primary school, right? So you're kind of in this routine for quite a long time. So there's, you know, they try out different interests from like music. You know, there was a few years where they were into like football, soccer. There was like some musical instruments. There was some tennis. (laughs) There was, what else was there? There was just all sorts of things that they're kind of experimenting and, and we're just, you know, trying to, I suppose, you know, within reason, encourage, encourage that. And, um, and just see, see who they are and learn them. So then we move into the teenage years. And Brian and I are both pretty, like, oh, I'm more of a present-oriented person and Brian's a future-oriented person. So I think one of the things that helped with the parenting is just that we were kind of in, we were, we were pretty much like in the moment. I guess you're always thinking a bit ahead of me, but yet we're 
um, enjoying, I guess, enjoying every moment, like kind of back to the laughter thing and just kind of enjoying the stage that we're in. Um, and so moving into the teenage years is actually really fun. And I would, I, I love it. And, and it's been, it's been, it's been fun because they do become more and more, um, it becomes more and more obvious, like just who they are and their unique, um, their uniqueness and how that kind of plays into the family and what they bring to the family dynamic. So it was really fun. So like Ethan is our oldest. He is, has always had easy to identify for me qualities when he was quite young, like even as young as nine months, that this kid is so much very familiar to me, like my dad and my brother. And so we would laugh about that a lot and little quirks and funny things that they did or Ethan would do. And so it was kind of easy to sort of see his bent and where he what he was interested in and that kind of thing. He's a computer science guy. Um, and so that that was Ethan. And then Emma, 18 months younger, our middle child, boy, girl, boy. So um, she, when, when we, <laughs> when she became a teenager and we started going through maybe some more moodiness or, you know, just some like more ups and downs, for me as, as her mom, it was a really huge breakthrough moment. And Brian helped me with this as well when we kind of realized, because we're, we're trying to study our children, right? And she was a little bit more of a mystery to me of like, okay, what's her personality type? Like, how can I better understand her? Why are she and I like butting heads a bit more? Is this just a mother-daughter thing? And what can I learn about her? And then when we thought, when we started wondering, well, maybe she's, she's actually, maybe she's a lot like, like you, but it's just harder to see, like Brian, but it's harder to see that because she's, you know, a 13 year old girl and you're like a grown man, you know, but you're like, wait, is she like her dad? And so I remember you even saying to me, like in my tendencies to be a little bit more detail oriented or what I'm thinking is like helping her, you're like actually it sounds like you're picking at her um she just needs like some verbal encouragement um which everyone loves but as soon as I like the light it's like the light went on so we were able to help each other to kind of see like those insights so if I might laugh and be like oh my that sounds like something that my brother would have said or my dad would have said and then you know Brian would kind of laugh and be like okay like who did for Ethan I feel like you really helped me with Emma so there's a bit of that I'm helping each other with the insight there. And so as soon as that light bulb went off for me because it was like, oh, so the whole way that I I could speak to her, just inst- it was like it instantly produced a better relationship between us. Maybe that's maybe that's a little bit too simple, but it, it did feel like a breakthrough for me where I could kind of put her in this, oh, now I'm maybe understanding more of her reactions and her motivations and how I can you know, get her help or get her to do what I want her to do or whatever it is, um, to speak to her differently. Suddenly it was a breakthrough in our relationship and so that really helped. And so there is that like teamwork aspect to it. And I feel like in the teen years, um, there would be a bit more of that give and take where one of us might have a better, um, strength to speak to certain issues than the other in our marriage. And so just like leaning on that in each other, and being okay with that and we'd be kind of like pointing you know quietly and making like signals with our eyes like no you go talk to them no you go talk to them you know that kind of thing so um there was a bit of that with the teens but they are wonderful and there's that same posture of like letting them go seeing them grow but still holding so tight to them they are funny um they do funny things like maintain that laughter i think really helped teasing them um you know not like quitting with the like affection like the hugs um some of the you know some of the fun moments of just like you know kind of grabbing them and hugging them and you know I love you so much and that kind of thing and um keep trying to keep it light because there's so many pressures and there's so much emotions that go on through those teen years um and so many serious you know decisions and things that they're facing um it's hard to know like limits these days with like screen time and there's just so many issues i used to think it was so funny and and actually i still think it's funny just to watch you with these teens as they're growing like ethan as a as a, as a full-size human and owen as a full-size human just grabbing them and and hugging them and they would be like squirming a little bit but all, then they would be loving it and squirming and just I, I just thought that was so great how you were like i'm not gonna stop hugging these boys i'm not gonna stop telling them that i love them and it was just 
it was funny and it was it, it it just worked and it was it was really really cool i i love it that you did that yeah so i suppose just as they are going through these teen years there are lots of ups and downs and it seems like with each one there was you know it kind of came at you know hit at different moments and you know it is complex and and there's moodiness and there's funny moments and all of that and i suppose it is just be a little bit more like us too like you know we all we're all complex and so you start living in this house with all these <laughs> complex people right but um yeah so don't stop the hugging them and the um being available i suppose is too is a big one um don't give up too soon you know even though they're getting more independent and um and they don't seem to need us as much I remember getting that advice of like, don't give up too soon. Like, stay available, stay present. Like, we're um, staying watchful because there's so many things out there, um, and we want to be able to like have that open line of communication and for them to be able to speak to us about things and for us to be able to speak to them. And so, uh, just want yeah, we want to keep staying watchful over their character development and over just who they are and who they're growing into be, um, growing up to be. So let's see, there was a lot of like, I guess, practical things that we did, um, talks around like screen time and their choices. And uh, it's hard to know like how to limit it and how to maintain screen time blessings everyone on that it's a tricky one um you took time with the boys special time out I took time with Emma to just talk about you know things around sexuality and um identity in Christ and that kind of thing um we want our home to be a place where there's safety and freedom and space I'm aware our kids uh went to public school here in the city and so I'm aware that they're out all day in that environment and I want to not be like micromanaging them when they're home so I want you know them to have space to chill and to but also you know to be responsible for the things that they need to be responsible for so kind of in that tension but I want our home to be a place where they can have a bit more of that margin and a bit of um of space to to process and to be safe Yeah, I suppose just I want to circle back to the Emma piece for me because that was so significant um, in that moment. Maybe she was like 14, 15, something like that. But, you know, she and I had been clashing more and I was just feeling a bit like, you know, why don't I understand her and why is this happening? And uh, I certainly don't like the conflict in the home um, because we wanted our home to be peaceful. And... um, I just remember that being such a breakthrough moment, like I'd mentioned before, but it really was a game changer. And I think that it was just so helpful that like Brian naturally understood Emma more than I did and was able to like give me that insight. And so then I was able to change how I spoke with her and we became buddies, you know, and, and she's, and it, it just changed our relationship so much where we're so close now. So I'm really just like, thankful for those you know in some ways simple things but I definitely think it's just God's grace and his incredible like help and giving us these little moments of revelation that kind of that could that changed the whole course of our friendship and then here we are now she's an adult and she's 20 and she's away with YWAM and I miss her so much because we did develop such a good friendship and she is like different enough to me I don't know we just had a we have a great chemistry now now that I understand more how she's wired and and as she continued to grow and develop and and that was just huge for our family so that's where we are currently in our parenting journey realizing that this is going to be a lifelong journey of discovery and of care and of uh prayer for sure ethan is here in glasgow with us at university emma's away youth with a mission um just now she's away and then Owen is still at home so you know we're still in the trenches of it we've still got some really significant um, moments coming up um, for our our kids and and they're making these big decisions in their life and and we get to to be here and to be like offering our wisdom and advice to our adult kids and still trying to guide them and steer them Okay, so we got some questions, Kelly, from people on Instagram, and I've got a collection of them. We don't have time for all of them, but I thought I would just kind of 
pick a few to, to kind of throw your way. I actually have a few answers, a couple of short answers myself on them. But the first one, you know, in light of the whole journey, do you have any like funniest fails moments? I, I can think of one for each of the kids, but do you have any funniest fails for in, in your parenting? Okay, yes. Probably the first one that always comes to mind is Ethan and the jogging stroller. So he was probably only about a year at the time, and those like three-wheeled jogging strollers were a big part of my parenting life at the moment. And we were we were walking around with those big jogging strollers, and I took out the I was I had the jogging stroller in one hand, the trash in the other. I was your dad's driveway, this long driveway, um, paved, and then there was like a grassy bit in the middle, and I like let go of the jogging stroller, turned to put the trash in the bin, and then my shoelace was untied, bent down to like tie my shoelace because I was like going to go for like a power walk or a jog or something. And then turned around and there was Ethan, little Ethan, strapped. he was strapped into the jogging stroller luckily, um, careening down the driveway, probably like well over halfway down, heading toward the grassy bit in the middle, which was great, but also like the bumps in the grass caused the jogging stroller to like start to um, wobble, 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 and then crash and it flipped over on its side. And so there's me like r- flailing my arms and like running down the driveway toward Ethan. Oh no, my baby. Um, he was fine. He was sad, but he was okay. Um, that was probably, there's lots of stories of, of, you know, I was young. There's lots of stories of Ethan like you know, rolling off the bed when he was like nine months old or like when he was being crazy and jumping on his bed when he was like four and hitting his head against the wall and having like a goose egg. And so there's a lot with Ethan. By the time Owen came around, we were a little bit more savvy. There was somehow less like injuries, but um, there was a lot with Ethan. So the jogging stroller always comes to mind. My, my Ethan fail also was in the jogging stroller and I, I don't know if you knew this I don't know if you were there you were definitely not there but I thought it would be a great idea you know I saw you out there power walking and exercising with this jogging stroller you know these big like bicycle tires it's, it's made for activity and I thought oh, I'd go I'd go rollerblading I'd go inline skating with with Ethan in this jogging stroller and so went tearing off down the road, Ethan pushing him along, inline skating, and then on the way back, I realized I'm going down a hill, and I can't slow this trolling down, and I'm trying to slow down with the on these skates, and, and everything's just going wild and crazy, and oh my goodness, I just, I think I blotted out exactly how that one ended. I don't believe anybody was injured in that moment, but I was just freaked out at, at my stupidity uh, in that particular moment. My, my fail with Owen, he was in one of those like chest uh, b- pouches, yeah. bags sort of a thing, and we were on the train, and we were trying to get off the train, and I was try- trying to figure out how to open the door because I didn't know how to open the door of the train, and I leaned forward, and I, his, he swings forward and smashes his head into the window of the door, and I'm like, oh, what an awful parent I am. But my favorite, no, my least favorite, my favorite, my biggest fail I don't even think I can say it. You might have to tell my biggest fail with with Emma. So a lot of head injuries with the boys, it sounds like. Oh, dear. And then the Emma one was so sad. Poor Emma. We were, she was maybe, what, five? We were at a beach in Northern Ireland, north coast, and she was paddling in the ocean, started screaming her head off. Um, she was being really loud. There was lots of people around. You and I were probably both like a little bit embarrassed. Why is she freaking out? She can get so dramatic and so loud. And so you like had picked her up and you're like, Emma, stop. And you like put her in the car because the cars were out right on the beach where we were. So we were right there by the car. So you put her in the car. She's screaming her head off. And then this like very um, like composed guy comes up to you and is like, oh, excuse me, sir. Um... I'm a doctor and she probably got stung by a puffer fish and it, it probably stings really bad and this is what you need to do to um, to alleviate the sting and all of this and so we were just mortified that here we were like punishing her for screaming her head off because she was embarrassing us when in actuality she was in a lot of pain and so we did <laughs> we did help her but that's the puffer fish and that's sad so um, there's a lot of things that we would have read you know, wish we could have done again. 
differently, like done differently, yes, not, yes. not done again. Like, oh, that was so funny. We should no, do that no. again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, those are some funny, quote unquote, funniest fails. Um, the next, they lived, they lived. They lived, yes. Any help or thoughts about helping kids to regulate their emotions when they're young or as teens? Go for it, Kelly. I mean, this is a hard one. Regulating regulating emotions is something that we all deal with. And, and um, again, this is just thoughts. This isn't um, like parenting advice necessarily, but these are just sort of my initial thoughts about it. Again, you know, we regulate our own emotions. It starts here. Um, you know, how can we be developing the fruit of the Spirit more in our own lives? Um, practical things are um, routine helps a bit, um, you know, like is sleeping are they too tired or food like are they hungry and that's why they're acting out um hugging helps like just giving them we hugs like thinking of small kids thinking of teenagers who are distraught um distracting little kids um like you know changing of scene like i spent a lot of time at the play park just because it was outside and i felt more at peace in myself and and they were distracted and having fun so that can be a good one for just helping everyone to stay in a positive place. Um, you know, we did use TV. We did have used tech just to give people a bit of space and um, giving them some breathing room, not micromanaging them has helped keep like, I think that's helped a bit keep emotions a bit more steady, um, firm, and loving. So I suppose there is that um you know, we want to follow through with what we ask them, ask the kids to do. We want their obedience. Um, we want to be firm. We want to be loving. We're not, def- we're definitely not like always ace in that one. It's hard. Um, but I suppose working together was a, was a help. Um, you know, they knew that like if you told them to stop or, you know, if you were firm that they, that, oh, like dad said that we got to stop. <laughs> um, so there was a bit of that. I remember you saying when they were little, and because we were living there nationally, we would have these huge travel days. And so, you know, the kids would have their little backpack and their like DS and their activities and their snacks for the airplane and all. We'd be all geared up for like this big flying, flying day, big travel day. And, you know, you'd get them lined up and you'd be like, okay, kids, what are we going to be today? We're going to be tough. And then you'd have them say it over and over again. We're going to be tough. We're going to be tough. I mean, that these were travel days. This wasn't every day, you guys, but this was just, you know, teaching them that there are moments when we are tough and we have to kind of realize that, okay, this is, this is a big day. And, and, you know, it could be long and hard in various ways. I mean, you know what I mean? Um, so I remember that, you know, we got to be tough. And so we do, every once in a while, the kids will still kind of say that, what do we got to be today? We got to be tough. Um, so emotions are real and they come out and there needs to be like space for that. And for, for hearing them sometimes, you know, when they're teenagers and they're having an outburst and they need some space and there would be times where we would look at each other and be like, no, you go, no, you go <laughs> talk to them. Um, and, you know, I'd walk by and you'd be sitting at the end of Emma's bed and, you know, talking to her or, you know, you would have, oh, I, you know, a few hours later, maybe sometimes even like, okay, no, I had a chance to go up and talk to the boys or, you know, get this figured out. So there was a bit of just giving people time to calm down, but also a lot of um, grace and a lot of teaching about, um, no, we, we, we need to learn how to not have outbursts and apologizing so you know like I said earlier like if I'm angry I'm yelling at them I get down at their level you know mommy shouldn't have yelled at you I'm so sorry that I yelled at you do you forgive me for being angry and trying to model that for them and so that they see that um that they need to apologize to each other as well I think one of the things that I remember us trying to be really intentional on, it's not going to work for us to calm down the kids if we're not calm and trying to be, mm. trying to be peaceful yeah, presence true. and, and just, just being calm. I'm not there. Uh, there's no way that I'm going to help a, uh, somebody that's being really emotional if I am unhappy or frustrated or angry or whatever. I just need to be calm and then approach them with calm and kindness. It's amazing. People seem to respond well to calm and yeah. kindness and, 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 and just kind of just, um, yeah, just peacefulness. Um, it can really shift people's hearts and minds. 
Okay, so thank you for that. Um, next question from the interweb of um, Instaland. How do you connect with God when you're exhausted and have a crying baby in your arms? Go, Kelly. Oh, yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> I think, you know, the, um, the years are short, but the days are long. Like, this too will pass. Um, these are really intense years uh, with tiny kids, with the infant years, and it is, it is a blur looking back at it. It's not easy. Um, it, is, it is hard to find that time to um, connect with God. For me, what helped was singing, singing, because um, it calmed my spirit. I don't know, hopefully it calmed the baby a little bit, but, you know, just like worship songs, like just singing them out loud quietly, um, soothing songs, um, helped us both, me and the baby. So I would say practically just singing, you know, taking those deep breaths, you know, breathing in God, like his patience, his love. He's given me this baby. <laughs> um, this crying will end. A change of scene if possible. I mean, that's hard when you're in the middle of the night or it's like pouring down rain outside or something. But, you know, if it's during the day and you're having a bad day, I found that if I just kind of left the house for a bit, it just sort of helped me and the baby and kind of had that reset um, to connect with God, to walk and to pray or to just think, um, breathing in God's like that perspective of like, okay, this is the, t this is my, um, this is where I am right now. Like God's given me this child to parent and like, God, please help me. So crying out to God singing. I remember, uh, hearing about maybe Ruth Bell Graham that she would have her Bible just left open and like, or Bibles scattered around the house and just left open so that if she had a moment, it was just easy to read. So I remember trying that a little bit, definitely not at her level, but, um, having my Bible like just on the edge of the table open or like in the living room on the little table open or something so that it's more likely that I'm going to have that moment to um, get some truth and, and to pick it up rather than having a closed Bible on a shelf or by the, you know, the door more just ready and open. So because um, you just never know when you're constantly interrupted and, and you have these um, demanding the needs of a, of a, of small children or infants. So those are just a couple practical tips, but it is hard. It will pass. So how do you connect with God when you're exhausted and have a crying teenager in your arms? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, that's good. Uh, next question. How do you protect your marriage? Ooh, I can't. I'm, I'm excited about this one. How do, you, how do you protect your marriage when it feels like you are in the trenches with parenting? Okay, again, my thoughts for this one, similar to what I think I already maybe alluded to earlier, just remembering that you're a team and that you're both going to have um, strengths that you're bringing to this. So you got to work together. You just have to work together because there's going to be moments where you're um, just really tired and you, and you need the other one. Resisting resentment, um, having like honest talks um, if you need to like shift some roles or responsibilities, um, if you need help in a certain area. Um, or if you need a break, you know, just really trying to, um, I guess the communication is key, <laughs> just like in so many areas of marriage, um, it is key. But I think, you know, you want to come out of this, you know, in love and you want to come out of this as friends. Um, and so, you know, again, like kind of falling back on God, like, okay, here is my spouse. Here are the strengths that we have. These are the values. Our aim, you know, is to like raise these, these kids to love Jesus. Um, okay, so how can we work together and how can we keep shifting and adjusting? Um, so I'd say like for me, like I need to um, try to like ask for help and communicate what I need because, you know, Brian was very like willing to help and to adjust things, um, but he couldn't read my mind and I needed to um, – communicate you know oh I need this break or I need you to do this bit or whatever it is so I think that's that was really helpful for us um you know his mercies are new every morning you have to like respect each other and, and appreciate each other it's kind of all gonna fall apart we love to go on walks together I mean we couldn't do that without kids when they were small we couldn't leave them at home alone but we also like to um so we could go to the park and we could be outside together while they're playing or we could walk to a park and then we could sit there and the kids could play. That really helped me to feel like we were in it together and we were connected. 
and we like to like sit by, side by side in the evening and watch TV or whatever. And so I think, you know, in those days when we couldn't leave the kids home alone after they'd gone to bed, it was just important for us to have that reconnect time that we could like kind of end the day like side by side was just really important for me to feel like um, we were in it together. Yeah, so what what I keep hearing you say is talking about like team working together, taking turns, but also not just taking turns. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're I need you to take them because I need space, but I also need us to take them together right now because we need to be together and we've got these kids. And so it's it's a, it's kind of a bit of all 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 the mm-hmm. the types of things. Uh, yeah, good. Love that. Okay, so I think the last question that we have time for today is probably Probably the big one, probably yeah. the big one, the, the question that everybody wants to know that I always want to know. And uh, the question is, how do you raise kids who grow up to love God? How do you raise kids who grow up to love God? All right. Yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of what we all want, right? We want as Christians for our kids to grow up and to love Jesus and to walk in his ways and to pass that on to the next generation, all the character and the heritage and, and to um, flourish and, and prevail, you know, over life's ups and downs. So that's the big question. I'm going to take a hack at it with just a few um, thoughts that came to mind in all humility. Ultimately, you know, we all have free will and we all um, have to choose. We all have to choose various moments in our life, you know, to keep following God or not. And and there's no guarantees, you know, if you do this, then this will happen. And so there's a lot of, of humility here. And just, these are just thoughts that came to mind. Um, so pray. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Like we throw ourselves on God and, and we kind of commit the, we commit these kids back to him and say, you know, like we dedicate these kids to the Lord and say, um, please, Lord, work in their heart and stir stir it toward you. So praying for the kids, getting extended family to pray, if they're believers, to pray for them, you know, sharing stories of, um, of Christian heritage, or maybe you don't have a Christian heritage in your family, praise God, you're like the first generation Christian and you're starting this new path for your family line is incredible. But, you know, if you do have like Christian heritage in your family, like share those stories or have them talk to um, the people up the line from them, you know, who've walked with God, that kind of just reinforces their identity, anchors them, grounds them. I think sharing stories, you know, of your faith, of your like, of your testimony um, is also just really, really powerful. And just an everyday conversation, um, sprinkling that in um, will help as well. Um, praying for them, blessing them, um, you know, even like, you know, putting your hand on their head and, and blessing them or, you know, praying as they go to bed, um, you know, that, that they would know God's presence with them and his help and that they don't need to be afraid. Um, you know, we have this value of like, you know, being like wise, but we don't want to like speak fear over our kids and we want to them to know that God is with them and will help them wherever they go. So I think us being, you know, as genuine as possible so that they see, like I kind of said earlier, like that we'll apologize to them, you know, if we haven't regulated our emotions, that we're apologizing and we're asking for their forgiveness, that, you know, they see us reading our Bibles and they see us like singing worship songs or humming worship songs or, you know, so then when they see that at church and us acting in that way, it's not like super inconsistent. I wouldn't say that you and I were like really, we haven't been really great at like family devotion t- times and, and those sort of things. Um, I think I think those things are really powerful and, and would, would really help as well in raising kids to follow Jesus. I think also, um, you know, steering our kids toward church, you know, as they get into the teen years, um, you know, it's easy for us to bring them along when they're younger like oh we go to church and this is what we do but you know steering them toward church those um just them being around others who who love god kind of reinforce that faith seeing people who are like a step or two ahead of them at university or as young adults young professionals that are walking with god um i'm just really thankful for the young adults who took interest in our kids um getting to know them and spending um time with them i think that's really helpful. So, you know, keeping um, them involved in, in church, um, I think is, 
probably a good idea. Um, and then, you know, just, just loving them. Like we kind of said earlier, loving them, um, listening to them, um, valuing their unique, um, personality and interests, like studying them and, um, asking God for like those revelations of how to insights, you know, and, and how to, to love them well and celebrate like who God's made them to be and not sweating the small stuff. And, and that laughing itself is kind of my last two thoughts of, of, um, uh, it's a long game. And, and, and so trying to try to stay big picture and I not get too discouraged about like, uh, where we're at at this exact moment. And if it feels like I'm failing, but to just keep praying and to keep, um, that big, the big picture, keep trusting God and, and throwing, throwing ourselves on him because this is like the huge question. And we, um, we just need, we need God's intervention. Right. And so we're just kind of trying to you know, create an environment or help set the table for this to happen, um, for them. But, but at the end of the day they choose. And so we just need to pray. I also just want to say how thankful I am, just like what you said, the, the, the people in the church, the young adults in the church over the years who've poured into the teens. And, and I, I just think that, like what you said, like having examples, having our kids around examples of people just the next step older to show that people are following Jesus, mm-hmm. especially in a place like Scotland where there's not a lot, but, but being in a church where they can see people doing that, following Jesus, and it's and, and it may be unique, but it's not... It's not um, not happening, and they they have those examples. It's such a such a thank you church for for loving our kids well and and treating them like like um, like human beings, like individual people, like yeah. individual yeah. people exactly. Yeah. And so just very thankful. Also, I, I I also know that you know our kids have this um, ancestry treasury uh, ancestor ancestry. Grandma Irwin. I don't know how to do Grandma Irwin's and the, our, our, their great-grandparents who that were heritage. praying for them and praying for the salvations. And, and, and I've picked that up as well and praying for my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my kids' spouses, their salvation, because there's so many of these factors. And, you know, it's, it's you know, if, if you are a believer and you want your kids to follow Jesus, you want your grandkids to follow Jesus and you want your great grandkids to follow Jesus. So yeah, that, that prayer thing is just so powerful. And, and I feel like really benefited from the prayers of our grandparents for, for our kids. And, uh, so good. Anyways, thank you, Kelly. Thank you for, thank you for this, this, this time and, and for all these thoughts, any final things you want to say, or are you good? I'm good. Yeah. It feels like that's a lot, um, of thoughts, but thanks for having me on your podcast. This is fun. And um, yes, grace, grace to all. And um, parenting is a big is a big job. There's lots of, of facets to it. So thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. If you if you found this helpful, go ahead and uh, rate and review. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this helpful, somebody else might as well. And maybe there's somebody in mind. You're like, oh, I'd like to have them hear Kelly's story and 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 what's going on there. Uh, send it to them. Send it, send them to them and and get get the word out. Um, very thankful. It is my heart to see you thrive as a godly man or woman. As as a a parent, if that's a, if that's your 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 life stage right now, and just at, at any moment of your life, uh, it's my heart to see our whole generation reawakened to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Some people can fumble through this path alone, but everyone does better with help.